Good morning. It's good to be here today. Hope everybody's had a great week. I'm going to continue teaching on my series on uh, the spiritual code and the symbology of the living word. And as if you were with us last week, I started teaching on the divine mind. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it a lot. I meant to do a preface on that, and I forgot to, and I'm going to share a little bit about that today. But, uh, uh, you know, to understand the, demi- the divine mind of Father, we really only need to understand our mind, because we know already that there is only one mind. You know, as Kay taught when she first taught living on our spiritual resources, there's only one mind, there's only one power, there's only one Father, there's only one body, and there's no realm of opposites whatsoever. And so we can understand uh, our mind if we are taught properly. And that's what I'm trying to do in this, this particular part of the second book is talk about uh, the divine mind and show you quite a bit through the Old Testament, some through the New Testament, the meanings of different people's names. And some of them, you know, you don't read much about them. You just have a name there. But if you really, if we, if we took the time to look up every name in the Bible, I believe we could find a wealth of, of understanding, a wealth of revelation there. But I'm just kind of going through some different ones, and I don't know how long I'll do it, but I'm enjoying it, so I hope you do too. <clears throat> What's so great to know is our Father uh, of all things seen and Father of all things not seen, we could say Creator, a place within each person at their inception, the divine mind. You know, and we talk about DNA. <clears throat> I, when I speak of the DNA that we have, I call it divine nature activity. So I believe that when Father uh, created and the life that God put in man passed on to all that's born male or female on this earth has a divine nature activity or we could say a code written in them which is what they were imaged to do by Father. And that's pretty big. Some, some people can think, well, how could God do that for the billions and billions of people? Well, God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. And I do believe God has a purpose for each and every one of our lives. And I don't think we'll be happy until we really discover what it is. And I believe most people know what their purpose is in life. And uh, they just need to get busy doing it. They keep waiting for some reason. But I've quoted this many times in Genesis 1.27, and I translated it. And it said, so, so created God, man, as a represented figure in resemblance. God created himself, male and female, to create this one God and a body everlasting. And that's Father's purpose. So this divine mind, the power of God, continues on and on and on for eternity. And Father's life is eternal. A father's life spreads over this planet that we live on called Earth. However, everything imaged into existence, it continues on and on and on. I was talking to a lady yesterday and she asked me if I believe there will ever be an end to the planet or an end to mankind. And I said, never. It will never be. Isaiah said that this Earth will be inhabited forever. And what God created is forever. I say this all the time. Father God never created death. Man did that. Father never intended for man to die. Man did that. And so everything that imaged into existence continues. I did a Google search as I was studying and writing last night. I was wondering how far a beam of light would go, if it would ever burn out, if you would. And I found where it said, uh, 
It said if there was no object to absorb light, it would keep traveling forever. And so light, it said, is made up of par uh, particles called uh, photons and uh, they travel like waves. So unless it interacts interact with the object, it continues on. So the light of the sun, when it hits the earth, wherever the earth absorbs it, it stops. But the light that's around the earth, it goes on and on and on until it hits something that would absorb it. To me, that's pretty powerful because Father says in Scripture, uh, Scripture says Father is the Father of lights. And, you know, that's important. We need to understand that. In James 1.15, that says that. Then Jesus said, we are the light of the world in Matthew 5.14. So literally, Jesus told us that we're the light of the world. And many people say, oh, no, only, the only light of the world is Jesus. But Jesus said, we're the light of the world. Then we find in John 8.12, Jesus saying, I exist, because the word I am means I exist. He said, I exist the light of the world, and he that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall lay hold, handle, and possess the light which is uh, of life, which is Zoe life. And we have Zoe life, but we need to handle and we need to possess it. So what he means by following him, particularly in his day, there were people that followed him and he taught him. But to us, he's saying, follow what I taught. Follow what I explained, huh? He taught them. Yeah, what he taught them. So we are light and we have light. And light symbolizes our life. Also, light symbolizes understanding and knowledge, like shining a light on an object or a subject uh, causes us to see with understanding. Last night, some of you may have seen it on my Facebook page, I put a video of it, but I caught a cute little possum last night, but I couldn't see it because it was dark, so I had to go get my flashlight and shine the light on it, and I can see it. The same thing with my eyes. I have new lenses, I don't have to wear glasses anymore, but... To see, I have to have a lot of light. And so when I go to a restaurant or whatever, I take my camera on my phone, I turn the light on, I look on it, and it brings it to full understanding. And so we need that light. And that's the problem is a lot of people today do not possess the light that they have and, the, and they do not release the light that they are. And so darkness always symbolizes a lack of understanding. The Bible said the light shined in a great likeness. Jesus shined in a in, in great darkness, I'm sorry, and the darkness perceived him not because they couldn't understand. So we can see now during Jesus' three and a half year uh, ministry, he was the only one in that area that he was in that handled and functioned out of the light that he was. And yes, he shined great light, but also more than more importantly, there was he his light was understanding and knowledge contact with father and the knowledge of father and so john 9 5 says we find where jesus said as long as i exist in your world i exist the light of your world the reason why is because they would always go to jesus uh, again i was talking to uh, the same lady yesterday and i have many other people and i they 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 want jesus to come back because we were taught that jesus is coming back and she said, you don't think we're going to see Jesus again? And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Why do you want to see Jesus? And, you know, she didn't say a lot, but I know what it is. We want Jesus to do something for us. We want Jesus to do what he did when he was here in this earth walk where he healed people and he worked miracles and he paid their taxes for him and all those different things. And I told him, I said, you don't know that Jesus might be here right now. 
You know, we don't know what Jesus looks like. Those pictures that were painted, we don't have, we have no clue what Jesus looks like. But more importantly, the mind that was in Jesus is here today in many, many, many people. And the truth is it's in all people, but not all people have let that same mind be in them. So it's much like that, uh, that, that they were, they were, the people were blinded by the religions of the world. They were blinded by the political powers at that time, by Rome. And uh, it's much like that beam of light that travels through space. Their light interacted with the lie of religiosity and of religion and of political powers. And as since their light was put out and they never knew the real love of God until they met Jesus. But then they were still blinded because religion and that political system had power over them. <clears throat> so we find in 1 John 28, John was writing of the things that Jesus did. He was writing of Jesus' supernatural ability and what Jesus possessed and what Jesus handled and the divine mind uh, in Jesus and the solid contact, as I've said before, the, the real meaning of Christ is contact. And so he was writing of his solid contact with, with the Father. And he, he began to talk about how this true light of understanding, now it shines in you. John was explaining to people and he had received more revelation of what Jesus did and what Jesus taught. And he said, you also now are the true light of the world, not just Jesus uh, in Jesus, but in all humanity, that light is there. And it's time, I say, to let our light shine. It really is. And we talk about that. It's time to let our love. It's time for us to be who we be. I mean, that covers every bit of that. Hi, Ivan. Good to see you on here. Next, we find in the second epistle of Philippians, the Apostle Paul exhorting people to let the character, the nature, and the light of the divine mind in them be active in them and no longer live as carnal. He gave them instructions. He said, if you possess any love and if you fellowship as the holy breath of Father, which the King James says, Spirit, Fulfill yourself my joy. In other words, I want to experience that. I want to see you releasing that to everybody. He said that you might be like-minded, having the same love Jesus showed you, being one and co-spirited with your divine mind. And he says, not worried about what you have or do not have that you can see, but be about that of others in blessing them. And that, that was great instruction that he has given them is be the light, be a blesser. You know, we're so tied up with what we need and what we want and what we don't have enough. And today there's a lot of fear going on that everything's going to fall apart. We're going to lose all of our money. But the truth is our job is to be about being a blessing to other people. Lift them up. You know, I've talked to many people lately that's at grocery stores and different places. And I'll be talking to them and they'll say, well, the Bible says over and over not to fear, doesn't it? And I said, yes, I think it's something like 165 times. I believe that's the number that the Bible where it says, take no thought. It talks about not fearing, not worrying, because we have a source that's eternal within inside of us. Amen. So he was saying, let this mind of contact with Father be in you, which was also in Jesus. So Paul was instructing these people to live out of their true nature, out of their character, out of their life, out of their divine line, uh, divine mind, and no longer live as carnal, which produced what? It produced all the death that Jesus found when he grew up and he began to walk around Jerusalem and those places, and he saw nothing but death everywhere. 
And then it was the death that he dealt with when he began to teach. And that death was being a carnal, mindful person. So, continuing on in the divine mind, uh, in Joshua chapter 21, I'm not going to be reading verses from these places because I just want to get the, a little bit of the story behind these and also the names as I did last week. But in Joshua chapter 21, hi Sue Parker from Australia, glad you got to be here today. We find where the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel came to Eleazar the priest. And the, the people, after all the things they did and taking the land and all that, they were promised uh, cities for their children. They were promised that they would have places that they can raise their offspring in. And so they came to them, uh, the, the parents, if you would, and other people, and they came and asked that it, was, it wanted to go ahead and give the cities to the children now. It was time to do that. And so that they would have a place to live and care for their future. One of those young men was the name uh, Anthoth, and it's, uh, excuse me, Anthoth. And he was given the city, and it's a really odd name, but it's Alamon Diblatha Yomya. <laughs> That's the best way I can pronounce it. And all the suburbs there. So I'm just going to say the first part of the name here. The Hebrew meaning of Alman is hiding. You got to really listen to all this and pay attention because there's a lot of detail here. But it's hiding of two fig cakes. And it also means hiding of troubles or hiding from troubles. It means to enclose and it means to reside. So Ammon was the last camping place of the children of Israel and the wilderness before they reached the Mount of Abram, and that was the place from the heights of it that Moses was shown the promised land by the Father, and that's where they're at. And so the symbology of this city would be figs, or would be fig trees. And you remember, Jesus reached out to a fig tree and there was no fruit, right, whatsoever. And that fig literally represents a prosperity, Figs also represent, uh, are they representative of the divine seed or the divine nature, but more importantly, the divine seed that's in mankind that's supposed to reproduce. The children of Israel were entrusted, the leaders of Israel were entrusted with the oracles of God, and they were to release truth to people, but literally that fruit tree, if you would, pictures Israel and it was barren and it produced no fruit whatsoever. So this seed, in its original essence, is the divine mind. And that divine mind is energy that flows through us. And when the ideals of our Father for mankind are really related to, and they're purely the, to, to mankind, then the seed flows and releases a life spring through us that is its original purity, the way it was intended in the beginning. Most people today... They just tap into a little bit here, a little bit there. You know, we, you know, I was asked yesterday, do I believe that God heals people? And I say, I believe that God taps into God's, I mean, people tap into God's divine health sometimes and receive a healing and receive a miracle. But what Father wants us to do is permanently live out of God's true supply, which contains health and everything else that pertains to spiritual life and physical life. And we can, we can let that release and flow through us because it's pure. So there's no more mixture. What does mixture do? Well, it's the leaven that leavens the whole lump. You can find that in 1 Corinthians 5, 6 and Galatians 5, 9. It talks about, you know, don't you know that the leaven leavens the whole lump? 
So man's original sin is the dishonesty of the idea of teaching of the knowledge of good and evil. And actually the word evil just means bad. So good and bad. I was talking to Kay about this a little bit yesterday and I said, I hate to call people evil, but they kind of look that way. But basically, they're just acting out of a bad nature. And people can be really, really bad. When you say evil, people always want to relate it to some kind of demonic thing or something that doesn't exist whatsoever. But what happens, this results in this false realm of opposites leading to living by the sense realm rather than every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And where does God speak? He's the divine mind. The mouth of God speaks into our thoughts. Uh, I've told you guys many times that I told my wife at one time because she was telling me how God said this and God said that. And I've, I really thought and I said, I've never heard God say anything. But the truth is, God was saying to me, Father was speaking to me, but I didn't hear because I was preoccupied with telling God what I wanted, you know, or just busy all the time. But I found a verse that I have never read in the Bible, and that may shock some of you, but there's a lot of verses I probably haven't read uh, or been taught. It's in Lamentations 3.32, and it states this as a fact. Out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not bad or good. It says evil, but it means bad. So if God would never speak bad or good, then why in the world would bad or good come out of our mouth? Why would pastors, teachers, professors, our Sunday school teachers, our parents, or anybody teach the knowledge of bad or good? It's because they believe in the realm of opposites, and of course, that's in the way the, the, the Bible, the scripture was translated. The answer is they were fed false ideas. They were fed lies. They were fed shame and, they, and guilt, and, and they identified with it just like the first race of man did. And what that produced was a mistaken identity syndrome. I add that syndrome to it. And they pass those ideas on to all that teach. Uh, I've talked to people that's lost loved ones and they're angry about it. They've died from cancer. They've died this. And they've always been taught that God is their healer. And so why didn't God heal? And that's a big question. If God is a healer, then why isn't he healing me right now? If God's a healer, then why did my family die? Well, the truth is God is not a healer. God is our health. And that's in my notes to teach today. Donna was asking me to do a series about health and healing, but it is, I have a lot of it in my notes already. But God created us whole. God created us with divine health. We're not like a car that you can go buy brand new and then it wears out and has to be fixed all the time or in a sense healed. And people are saying, well, what do you mean? I have to go to the doctors. I know, but that's not who we are. We have the divine health of God in us and our body was created to live and live and live for eternity. And there again, people are going to call me and say, are you saying we're supposed to live forever? I believe we're supposed to. But I'm not saying I'm going to live forever, but I'm saying there is a divine life within me if I would learn to tap in. But I believe it's going to take a many-membered man to do that. And so, you know, that's another thing that we can talk about. But we don't want to feed on the knowledge of good and evil because it produces lies in us. It produces shame. It produces guilt. And then we take on that mistaken identity syndrome. So Amon, which is actually pronounced Amon Diblatha Yamma. <laughs> I hope that impresses you a lot. <laughs> Doesn't me though. It symbolizes spiritual life. 
It symbolizes substance. We have substance in us. It's the, it's the God life within inside of us, which increases steadily in man from the time that he leaves the darkness. The children of Israel were to leave Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world, if you would. Egypt is a type of the sense realm. And they begin their journey towards spiritual consciousness and realize the eternal redemption of the body. I was asked yesterday by someone if I believed in a rapture. And I said, no, I do not believe in a rapture. I said that was made up by the Catholic religion. I believe when Paul was writing in Thessalonians about being caught up, that means caught up in your awareness. Uh, family, if you follow us much, you'll listen to us. I know you listen to K, most of you. You've got to realize the entire Bible is about an awareness, either a carnal awareness or a spiritual awareness. And when you really put that on your understanding, then you can look at the scripture and you can say, well, this is about the spiritual awareness. And this is about what happens when people, when they live in a, with a carnal awareness, it's consequences. And so we want to be part of this where we increase steadily and we increase uh, greater and we're always headed towards a greater spiritual consciousness and realizing that our body is already redeemed. The Bible says in the King James Version, there's a salvation, which means a rescue that's ready to be revealed in the last day. And that says to wit, which means to know the redemption of your body. And that doesn't mean there's a last day in the future, but there's a last day for every one of us. There comes a time when we, we stop thinking carnal. We stop thinking we're supposed to be sick. And we think, well, after all, I'm 70 or 80 and this is supposed to happen to me. And we, that's the, we, it's the end of that force. And we realize that our body was born redeemed and it already is redeemed. And it's still redeemed today, no matter what I see with these physical eyes or, or, or fill with my senses, if you would. So man does not realize the richness of staying in contact with Father. And that's how Jesus could do what he did. That's how he could walk above the circumstances of life. That's literally how he can transport to one place to another. That's how he took his body and he resurrected and he took his body with him and appeared somewhere else. And so... Uh, there's all kinds of possibilities that are what were unfolding within, within him. However, until he begins, this person that stays in contact, until he begins uplifting and spiritualizing this entire, uh, his entire being, then there's something inside of him that keeps him down. And that's because there's still this tendency to lean on carnal information. And that's why Paul asked the father to free him from something and what he needed to be freed from is, was his dependency on the law. He was the doctor of the law. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew the law backwards and forwards. And sometimes he was tempted to use that still in his teachings. And he asked the father to deliver him from it. And the father said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for, for, for you. In other words, he was saying, you staying in contact with me, staying in contact with your holy breath inside of you is sufficient for you. So in other words, draw from your spiritual mind. And that's what we've been taught to do. And so if we don't, then what happens, uh, what happens here is there's a misappropriation of, of our understanding and there's a misappropriation of this carnal desires or whatever. And it becomes contradictory to everything that father wants for us. And too many of us still slip up and seek after carnal desires. And that can just be more money, better health, a bigger house, you know, all kinds of security that the world offers that are temporal things. And when we need to be seeking after that, which is 
really not seeking after, but we need to be seeking after wisdom and knowledge and more understanding of who we are and who our Father is. So true intellect has its foundation in the divine mind. True intellect has its foundation in the divine mind. You can say holy breath, you can say spirit, whatever makes you comfortable. But in an unawakened man, what happens is an unawakened man has interpenetrated himself with the outer or with a material realm. And we've all done that. We've all allowed that which was without to literally interpenetrate our consciousness and take over our thoughts and produce fear, basically, and a lack of understanding instead of the knowledge of the divine mind. And we have to understand that Father God, our divine mind that we have, is the only real source of intellect. Any other intellect that does not come from Father is not intellect at all, and it's temporal. It is temporal, and it may look good. And there's a lot of people out there today that think that they're coming up with all kinds of ways to run our country, to run the world, and it's, it's not the intellect that's from God. So yeah, our source it's is... not God thoughts, it's, it's... If it's not God thoughts, then it's antichrist. It's, it's anti-contact with God. Yeah. If it's not a thought that came from God, then you're not in contact with God. And it's not real. That's not real. So intellect is necessary to man. It is necessary. And it becomes genuinely high... It becomes exalted within and it's a, when it's illumined by the voice of God from the divine mind. Uh, a person asked me yesterday, uh, these things that I'm teaching, are you just getting books and writing them down and teaching them? And I, I said, no. I said, I study some books. I, my wife can tell you I don't have a large library. I do study some. I have no problem with that. But I have learned to listen to the voice of Father. And I allow Father to direct me and lead me and guide me. And as I'm writing, as I'm studying, I'll hear this verse. I'll hear that verse. I'll hear a, something that I taught on the past. And all of a sudden, there's new light on it. At one time, I, was, uh, I saw through a glass darkly. I, I looked at the scripture and I couldn't quite understand it. And so I used kind of a, a, level, a surface level understanding and teaching. But now my spirit eyes are open. I believe they're wide open. And I believe his father directs me to something. I look at it and say, oh, this is what that means. It's not what I taught before. And so, therefore, central intellect understanding must give way to spiritual understanding. And how can it give way? We must let it. We must allow it. I told this person I was talking to that you've got to, you, you've got to come to the end of what your religion is teaching you. If, if, to the, where it's not satisfying. If it's still satisfying you, then stay there. But there will be there will come a time when it's not satisfying you and you're going to be ready for more truth. And what's interesting to me is many people do this. They call me and they begin to ask many, many questions and they don't understand that father is calling them out. Because when you start asking and you start questioning your theology, that's one of the best places you can be in. So if we don't do this, if we don't let our central intellect lean or give way to spiritual knowledge, then the only thing we're going to get is temporal help. And, uh, and these, these all five carnal systems of the earth, the political, the religiousity, the medically, the financially, and social systems of this earth, they all offer you temporal fixes. And most of the time, they cause problems. They don't bring real help. So next, in the book of Acts, we find a man. Uh, it's interesting, these names that they gave people. They're a little difficult to pronounce. But it's pronounced Arlas Tarez, and it's pronounced A-R-I-S-T-A-R-C-H-U-S. A-R-I-S-T-A-R-C-H-U-S. 
And he was a fellow laborer with Paul. Uh, he was a believer who accompanied Paul on his missionary journey. He was a prisoner of Rome along with Paul. And it's really interesting what his name means. It means best ruling. <clears throat> it means best ruler. It means best leader. It means the best meal. It means supreme being and first principle and to raise the voice. And I put in there, which always must accompany the living the living word, the living word, the truth. And that was Apostle Paul. This man accompanied Paul many, many times in his teachings. He was there with him in, in the prison, writing for him some. And so you have to have all this. So this tells you that this living word teacher, Paul, was accompanied with, with this mentality or this ability that he was, he was the best teacher at that time. He was the best leader at that time. He provided the best meal for people to feed on. He was of the supreme being, the first principle, and he was able to raise his voice and teach a, uh, teach a message that would literally help make people free. And so I, I love the meaning of that word. Then back to the books of the old, we find a king that was the king of Judah who ruled for 41 years in, uh, of, in Israel. He was one who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. If you remember last week, we saw some kings that did not do what was right in the light of the, uh, light in the eyes of the Lord, and their name meant godly things, but they did not live up to their name, or they did not live out of their name. So this king was one who did this, and his name is Asa, or pronounced in the Hebrew Asa, but it's spelled A-S-A, he symbolized physician, symbolizes physician, healer, building up, and making whole. That's what he symbolizes. The spiritual symbolism of Asa is the will of man working fruitfully. The will of man needs to be fruitfully. There are some people that have really strong wills. I'm sure you met them. We have a grandson. His name is Ethan, and we looked up his name, in our, or I found it in the Bible the other day, and was really shocked to see that his name was in the Bible, but it really talks about a strong will, solid, and even uses the word concrete. And sometimes people's wills are so strong and so solid, it's like concrete, and you think nobody can ever change it, and it can't be bent. But this man represents this, and the spiritual symbolism of the man working fruitfully in our consciousness, the work of Asa, is a rebuilding process. You may be functioning out of a strong will, carnally, if you would. But when we lean to the spirit, what Asa uh, speaks of, there's a process that goes into our subconscious mind that's directed by our divine mind. And it begins to remove all those, those beliefs or those attitudes or whatever that makes a person stubborn. And it's directed by the divine mind. So when the true, if you would, uh, natural life in man is acknowledged as, as Holy Spirit, as breath. And what I mean, many times we look at this world and we think it's the natural life, but it is not. The natural life is the God life. The natural life is the Zoe life. So when I say my life is hid, if you would, the Bible says in Christ, but my life is hid in contact with God. If I stay in contact with Father, then I, my true life is functioning in my entire being. And so what takes place then is there a quickening? And I, I like the word when you look up quicken that says revivified. There's other words too that it means. But literally we are 
revivified, our subconsciousness, our thinking, our brain or whatever is revivified and it is purified. It doesn't mean you're a bad person, but everything that hinders us is removed. And how does that happen? The truth comes in. We don't deal with what hinders us. We feed on the truth and the truth comes into our subconsciousness, into our conscious awareness, into our brain. And it's been purified. It's been regenerated, if you would, with the living word, not the written word. The majority of my life, I read the written word and the written word really didn't bring me a lot of help. But when I found out that there is a living word that we can see, we can see right underneath the written word, it brings great life to us. So when we do this, our entire being is transfigured into the divine life that we presently have. And that's what we want. We have a divine mind. We can function out of that mind. We have a divine life. We can function out of that divine life. We have a divine nature. Everything about us is divine. Uh, you know, people may look at you and they don't think that way. You may say, well, pastor, you've got some physical things going on, but that's not the real man. That's not my real body. That's not who I am. And I'm not going to let it take me out. I refuse to by faith in God. Whole. I'm whole. And so we must again, and I'm majoring on this so much in this teaching, in this book I'm writing. Uh, this is the second one, but stay in contact with your father. Think on, if anything's worth thinking on, think on the things that father speaks to you. And if you don't, then you stay in contact with the sensory realm and it will destroy you. And we want that to be established in us. And Jesus exemplified this very easily during his entire earth walk. As a symbolized the dominant health force, not healing, but the dominant health force in the inner life of our soul. There is a dominant health. This body can reproduce itself. This body, every organ, every part of it. And it has health inside of us to deal with anything that would come against it where no weapon formed against us can prosper whatsoever. Yes, there might be viruses out in the earth and things like that, but we can know that those things cannot affect us. So from our early years in religiosity, we heard again that Jehovah Rapha was our healer. Remember, Donna? Our healer. And when in fact, Father is our health. That's what it means. Jehovah Rapha, our health. When Father made us, he made us whole. And I put my faith, and I, I know some people don't like, women don't like us to say he, I don't know what else to say except for I could say this one God, because there is no gender with Father. But Father made us whole and made us to last forever, never created us to die, never created us to have cancer, never created us to lack vitamin E or vitamin C or vitamin D or it was all in us and our brains were created to produce the chemicals that needed and our food sources was to provide the vitamins. The sun was to give us vitamin D and the list can go on and on and on. But the problem is, as I told this lady yesterday, we didn't tend the garden. Father God said this whole earth has everything you need, tend the garden. Well, the way I tend my garden is I love my gardens. And I talk to my plants sometimes, not all the time. But people come uh, all the time. I have people stop and look and, and sometimes get out of their cars and come touch some of my, my palm tree and all that to see if it's real. But they'll ask me, how do I do this? And I said, well, I tend my garden. If I see weeds, I pull them up. I make sure the soil is good and rich. 
I give the plants a good source to draw from. I love my garden. I take care of my garden and I expect it. I expect it to produce fruit. And I say that I put a seed in. I say, produce the watermelon, produce whatever I planted. And I believe in that. And that's what we were supposed to do to the earth. Jesus tended the earth many times, like the, the uh, disciples were in the boat and they were scared to death. They were in a hurricane and Jesus was asleep. He wasn't worried about it one bit, but they were. And so for their sake, he got up and he spoke to the hurricane and he said, be perfect. You're created to be perfect. Only bring good soft rain to this area or whatever. And it obeyed him. And that the reason the earth is in the shape it's in is because we have not blessed the earth. We have not loved the earth. We have not spoken over the earth. And we need to. And its inhabitants. You've got to feed your You feed your it. Garden. Right. So same thing with us. And I believe we can get to the place where we never need a healing or a miracle. Yes, some people need to have the healing before they can believe in divine health. But again, that's temporal. But I believe we can get to this place. Next in 1 Chronicles 7.14, we find a man by the name of Azrael. It's spelled A-S-H-R-I-E-L. Azrael was the son of Manasseh. Azrael's name means the joining of God. God has bound together vow of God, right of God, and his name ends with E-L, which is Al, signifying strength and might as in the Almighty. We just see this over and over and over that people's names contain the true nature of God. And, you know, I remember when we used to study the tabernacle of Moses and the feast of the Lord, and we talked about the day of atonement. And we talked about that when Jesus drew all men into him, that that was the time that God made us and, and, and in the resurrection that God made us all one. But I happen to tell you, have to tell you that the day of atonement was before the foundation of the world. We were with God already. We were in God. We've always been one with God. We don't have to do anything to make us one to God. So one with God. So we see here the joining of God. God has bound together the vow of God, the right of God. That's something God did. It's not something I did. God made me one with Father, not me making Father one with me. So it's interesting to me that most of these people have no history whatsoever. You just see their name and you see who they beget, and that's it. And that's why we miss out on so much, because we really don't study every jot and every tittle, every word in the Bible, because every word, every name, every color, every measurement, all everything, cubits, everything, have spiritual meaning to us. And I have to tell you, in 38 years of growing up in religiosity, I never one time had a teacher teach me the meanings of people's names or anything whatsoever. The first time that ever happened was with Brother Garner, wasn't it? And Brother Garner began to teach us about the 12 tribes of Israel. John Cahill began to teach us the 12 tribes of Israel and began to teach us the meanings of names and how important they are to us. So it's interesting uh, that, that this, this happens, that Father puts a person there and has a genealogy in there. And, and a lot of people say, well, why is all that in there? So we can discover this. So we can discover the real nature of man. Now, as a real symbolizes a unifying thought in consciousness, joining of the divine mind. In other words, our thoughts join with the divine mind, divine mind, and our thoughts become the thoughts of the divine mind. And when I say divine mind, I'm talking about Father. I'm, I'm talking about God. You know, I'm talking about our true mind. And what happens there is man's awakening to the truth 
that again there is no understanding whether intellect or otherwise apart from father so when man consciously leans to the divine mind paul said uh, do not be conformed to this world anymore since everything i've taught you but be ye transformed by the renewing mind not the renewing of the mind they added of but trans be transformed by the renewing mind so that means we need to lean to our divine mind and we need to learn to listen we practice stand in contact with the divine mind you know you could and then what you do is you enter into this realization of oneness there's nothing like living on this planet knowing that you're one with god i can, I, I, would, I just can't imagine what it was like before man believed the lie and they walked the whole earth was like a garden and it still is. It's beautiful. But we live in concrete jungles, if you would. But they, they walked in total union with the mind of God. They felt God. They, they sensed God. They heard God in their thoughts. And they were at peace. And that's available to us today. And so, also, he realizes the vastness and the sureness of this divine decision and decree and declaration from the foundation of the world. Where God said, Become man as a representative figure. In other words, become man just like me in my perfect image. And we need to realize that. So at this point, mankind will realize and embrace the divine operation of God. And I looked up the word operation last night, and it actually means the effectual power of Father. We have got to embrace the power of Father. We're always begging for God to do something, saying, when is God going to do something? Or God's going to do something someday. You know, or people think that God's going to do a rapture. You know, you hear people say all the time today that they're not worried about what's going on because we're not going to be here anyways. Well, that's the reason it's going on. Because much of religiosity has put all their faith in a, a pie in the sky and Disneyland somewhere out there on a place called heaven. And this isn't our home. And so we just let it be run by not righteous-minded people. And that's where we're at today. You're going to be here. Whatever goes on on this earth, you're going to experience it until the day you physically die. You know, until we all can rise up and change the earth. But this effectual power of Father would be God is bound together and the vow of God. That's where I put my faith. I put in the, my faith in the fact that God bound me together with Him and the vow of God that we have all things that pertain to life and godliness and that this planet belongs to us and that we have dominion. We don't have to take dominion. We have dominion or mastership over this earth. According to Psalm 28.5, according to Isaiah 5.12, the children of Israel did not regard the effectual power of God. They did not appreciate the effectual power of God. Father led them through the wilderness. He provided food for them. He provided water for them. And they still did not value it. They did not appreciate it. They listened to the naysayers in their group. They listened to people from Egypt that came with them that were in darkness. And they, they began to believe a lie. They wanted to go back. They said we had food there. They did not have food there. They said we had leeks and all that kind of stuff. They didn't have that. They just believed the lie. And they began to move into that sense realm and they did not regard the effectual power of Father in their lives. And the Apostle Paul said, we are aroused from a death consciousness. That's, uh, that's why he's talking about death. We are aroused from a death consciousness through the faith of Father in his effectual power. And again, it's not our faith. It's Father's faith I put my faith in. That's what we've got to understand. 
And, you know, I, and I tried to explain that to a person yesterday. I get several calls, but I just started explaining it. It's not your faith. Because if it's your faith, you'll always fail. <coughs> you always think, I just don't have enough faith. But it's the faith of our Father. So often, I talked about the strong will earlier, but often when somebody is stubborn or they're strong-willed, people call them an ass, right? You hear people say that, well, you're just an ass. And it's interesting to me that Jesus rode on the back of an ass into Jerusalem. And I've heard all kinds of stories about that, what it meant. But what I discovered yesterday in my studies is in Oriental countries in the days of Jesus, kings and rulers all rode on an ass. It, it was considered and accepted uh, as a bearer of royalty. So we could look at this and say, well, the animal part of a carnally minded consciousness, because if you're carnally minded, you can act like an animal, right? People do horrible things that are almost animalistic. And so the animal part of a carnally minded consciousness is typified by the ass. And the purpose of Jesus riding uh, an ass into Jerusalem was to portray his mastery of the exist nature, nature over this ass. So literally the mind of God appropriated and allowed to function in you will help you master over that kind of mindset or whatever mindset that you have. And they call it a mindset, but it's just a conscious awareness. Jerusalem is the city of peace, which is really perfection. So Jerusalem represents perfection or spiritual consciousness. Once one rises to their true perfection and their spiritual counsel, uh, consciousness, they will no longer have a wild ass mentality because a wild ass will just go from one teaching to the next teaching. They'll say amen to anything they hear. And so the characteristics of the ass are stubbornness, persistence, and endurance. They're just not going to change. But in the book of Revelation, Jesus is seen riding on a white horse. Remember that? White represents righteousness, and the horse pictures man with a vital force, the chi, if you would, the essence, divine mind, the spirit, or whatever, riding out on a, in a person's life. So Jesus riding on the horse symbolizes his mind or his nature or his divine mind in us. The horse pictures an awareness in mankind. And so literally, it's a picture of what will happen to a sensual-minded person or carnally-minded person when they let that same mind that was in Jesus be in them. And if you, in a sense, ridden out in the earth. So when an individual knows the truth of Father and that they are the temple or they are the dwelling place of holy breath or of God, they cease to pray to a faraway God. I'm trying not to laugh here because my dog's laying on my sofa watching me teach. <laughs> I hope she's enjoying it. She keeps looking up at me. She's probably thinking, when are you going to stop? <laughs> but... They, they cease from praying to a faraway God. Instead, they acknowledge that they are one with Father. And I always think it's funny how we need to pray to Father somewhere when Father's right here with me. That would be like me talking to my wife, like, and I'll hold my head up and I'll look up there and i talking to Donna up there and she say, wait a minute, I'm right here. And Father wants us to know Father is with you. You don't have to pray and ask God for anything. The truth is prayer really means converse. Just talk to Father. That's all we need to do is we need to converse with Father. Father is a right now Father. He's, Father is with us right now. And what happens when we do this and we begin to 
to acknowledge our one of with God, one with God, then we begin to demonstrate life and we dem demonstrate life more abundantly. Instead of waiting for it to show up, it's here already. And so how do we do? We demonstrate it by faith, the faith of God. I wake up tomorrow morning and I don't think about anything I need. I just know whatever's required tomorrow is going to be there. I don't worry about gas. I don't worry about gas prices. I don't worry about the stock market. I don't worry about finances. I, I don't I'm not worried about my body. I'm ready for it to get whole because I'm tired, but I'm, I'm just walking through it. But I'm not worried because worry does, when we worry, that means we really don't believe who we are. We don't really believe what our father has said. So once we do this, this is interesting, and some people are going to go, whoa, whoa, Roy, wait a minute, but I'm going to prove this to you. When we really begin to tack, tap into this and live out of our divine mind, live out of our spirit, live out of our holy breath, there is an aurora of emanation that surrounds the person who demonstrates life. There's, there literally is a light that radiates outside of us. And whether it's illumined aurora or medium or dark or cloudy depends on the solidness or our consistency of staying in contact with their father. Most people only contact father when they need something. Isn't that true? They only contact father when they need something. Or they go to church and they, they want to sing praises and worship people and, I mean, and worship with other people. And then they go back for six or seven days and back to the normal life. And they really don't have a lot of contact with father. But literally, when you stay in contact with Father, because what is Father? Father is what? Spirit. Yeah, but in the beginning of this, I was talking about light. Uh, father is light. Father is the Father of light. What happens, this aurora around the bodies of those who have allowed their awareness to be raised in contact begins to be seen by other people that are tapping in. And I'm not telling you you need to go around looking for people's light, but it's really true. It's usually a bright light or some shade of blue most of the time. The aurora is not visible to all people, but only to those who have allowed their conscious awareness to be raised to a spiritual awareness. Now, Dr. K and I had a long conversation uh, yesterday, and I wasn't talking to her about the aurora or anything, but we were discussing the political, a lot of people out there, and different people. And I was telling her, you can take groups of leaders that are angry, they hate the United States, they want socialism, they want communism, bottom line, they want power. They want power over the people. And put them together and take a group of other people that love America, that are looking out for America, that care for America, and look at the differences. And literally you can almost see darkness and light. You can see that how, it's, how it shows up on their face and what they radiate, and you can and see, I want to be in the group that loves. I want to be in, in the group in the whole world that blesses the earth and loves the earth and, and wants to do right in the eyes of God and believes in Father God. And so th this is a real truth here. And I want to show you how I know this to be true, because there was a time when Jesus went up on the Mount of, figura uh, Mount of Transfiguration. And what happened there? He glowed, right? He glowed uh, and he shined with light. And then we see pictures uh, all the time of some of them called saints. They're some of the teachers or whatever of Jesus. And the artist always paints a glow of light around their head. 
and and literally it's not imagination they i believe they saw it i believe they're showing that aurora that released from them because those people were in contact with father and they were spiritually aware or spiritually awakened and then later on people started putting that on everybody if you would but there are people in the world today that have followed the teachings of jesus paul and other comforter teachers who have developed in their bodies this super energy of life that's inside of us. And they're allowing it to flow. And not only it permeates the physical structure, but literally it illuminates, if you would, the entire being. Jesus carried this process so far that literally he transformed and he experienced light. He experienced divine intelligence, didn't he? He spoke with great intelligence, great understanding, and even to the point that he resurrected himself. So we are Father's Day Star. I, I was really directed and thought about Day Star. Uh, most people think that's Lucifer because that's what the scripture says, but that was put in there by the Catholic Church. Uh, that was actually Adam. But the word Day Star means principle of light and anything that consists of light. And halo, remember that's what they, that's what they painted around somebody's head. Aurora, power of illumination, and a star. And if you've read my book on how Esther became a star, you'll know that a star causes people to look up. So an aurora around us is created by our constant contact. And I'm not telling you to go out and try to get you an aurora and try to let your light shine. But doesn't the Bible say to let your light shine? Let your light shine among men, right? It says that. And so people should see a difference in us. This liber what, what happens is when I look this up, this aurora, because I begin to study auroras in the, in the, in the uh, internet, and it says it liberates pent-up energies in our body, in our subconscious, in our... Con it's, a, a, an energy? it's an energy. Yeah. It's an energy force. Remember the shack. Remember when, when uh, uh, Mac, Mackenzie, but Mac was taken by the spirit, and he was allowed to see his dad. These lights begin to come at him, and next thing you know, he realized that they were people. And all of a sudden, his dad slowed down the visibility from light, and he began to see his dad. And I believe that so much. That really impacted me when I saw that. But we have energy in us, and if we don't let it flow, guess what? It's pent up inside of us. Sometimes when we feel like maybe there's something wrong with me or there's something, I, I don't know what it is I need. Well, we need to let our light shine. We need to let this energy begin to flow into our subconscious, in our conscious awareness. And that's where we can converse with Father and hear truth, and the truth will make us free. And it emanates as a spiritual awareness that eventually envelops the whole body. And we walk. Strength and, and, and what happens then is we walk as the children of light. What is that we see out there? It's the children of light. It's the children who are allowing their light to shine. So the bands of light painted again by these ancient artists around the heads was literally something they actually saw. They actually saw. Moses uh, was conversing with Father on the mountain. And his face shines so bright that the children of Israel couldn't hardly stand to look at him. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Because he conversed with Father. He had contact with Father. The Bible said that Jesus, again, his countenance was completely altered and his raiment became white and dazzling. So we are true light of the planet. We need to let our light shine. And by the way, it's not a little bitty light. We used to sing as a kid, as children, 
uh, that, you know, don't let Satan blow it out. And this little light of mine, it's not a little light. It's a great light. It's the light of creation. It's the light that brought everything into existence that's inside of you. That's why the Bible said that we are supernatural. We are Damion. We are a supernatural spirit. And people who don't know who they are, people who live like we all have with a mistaken identity, we were a supernatural spirit with a bad character, but we are no more. We're not allowing that to take place. So it shines bright if we will let it shine bright and the world needs to see our and their light and understand that our light lightens the entire world. There's nothing going on that light won't take care of. I believe that with all my heart. And so instead of waiting and praying and asking God to do something, saying it's all going to pan out or we're not going to be here anyways, we don't care. Well, you're becoming the problem. The answer is you. You let your light shine in your world. So I hope you enjoyed this. I love you guys. I appreciate you being with us. Uh, I'm going to give a few books away. Uh, anybody that puts a comment on this today, tell me how awesome I am or whatever. <laughs> no. Anybody just puts a comment, just, just say hi or yes, I want the books or whatever. Uh, by Wednesday, I will have Donna give me a number between one and how I'm going to do that. And I'll send you a whole set of all my books on uh lulu.com so make sure stay in tune wednesday morning i'll let you know who won we love you guys we bless you appreciate you very much if you do want to order any books you can go to dr roy e richmond.com and they're on there what is life